0: Welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. Sunland have won three in a row, scoring nine and conceding only one. We've gained a new billionaire owner and it seems like for once things are a little bit rosy. So what could prevent further happiness this weekend? Well, that would be cruel Alexandra possibly. And to discuss Saturday's game at Gresty Road or the Alexandra Stadium as it's now officially known is Steve Hatton from the Railway Man podcast. How are you doing, Steve? Are you all right?
1: I'm not super. Thank you. Yourself?
0: Yeah, not too bad. I, I, every day is an education. I, I found out today that it's not officially called Gresty Road. It's apparently the Alexandra Stadium. Stadium.
1: Yeah, it's a strange one because it's not. It's not like a sponsorship thing. It just was rechristened what a while back now. Actually, the Alexandra Sp- Stadium, but everyone still calls it Gresty Road. Effectively, but it is a weird one. You would normally expect a rechristened ground for a sponsor. But we just it just got rebranded the Alexandra Stadium. But to everyone, to the diehards, to the traditionalists, it's it's definitely Gresty Road.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. To me, especially, and now that I'm in my mid thirties, it's got to be Gresty Road. I've got to kind of show my age a little bit. So, um, we'll start straight from the off. Actually, for the people listening, uh, we are speaking in the aftermath of both of our games. You have just pulled off a, a really good win over Accrington Stanley, and I know Accrington Stanley aren't the most popular team, but they've had a good season. Buzz, how was the game?
1: Um, first half was, was fairly even. Um, we, we nicked a goal from our centre half due to a bit of a, a goalkeeping error. Um, and second half, I forget exactly when, but they, they went a man down. Uh, after that, it just, um, it looked like we were going to, um, do what we did on Saturday and fritter away a load of chances and the chances kept getting missed and kept getting missed. And it was set up for a classic crew grabbing uh, a draw from the jaws of victory. But we managed to nick a second, thankfully. But we did fritter away a whole host of chances. But in the end, um, Chris Porter, 36, 37 now maybe he is. Um, Warhorse was their uh, poacher, clinical, knocked it in, 2-0. Decent win because they're they're a difficult team to play against and they did a real job on us at their ground earlier in the season. It was a real tight game where they didn't let us play and they nicked her a scrappy goal from a rebounder for three kicks. So it's quite nice to, to turn the tables tonight.
0: And it is a good result. I, pretend, I mean, obviously, again, like I said before, not the most fashionable, but it wasn't too long ago and I'd, I'd probably have to check the league, but I think they had two games in, hand in us were level on points and then about eight. So they've had a really good season, but um I think you touched on it before. They had a red card about the 50th minute, I think it was, yes. give or take, yes, something I, like yeah. that. Um, right. But obviously you scored beforehand. Um The result leaves you sort of, almost smack bang middle of the table in 11th. Must feel like quite morale-boosting because... And I've only, got the, I've only got the stats to look at as opposed to the actual highlights, but looking through your results prior to this evening, you've got a very, very late-defeated Swindon, a loss at Peterborough, a really heavy defeat at Gillingham, a draw against 10-minute switch, and that's all sandwiched in between actually a one result at Shrewsbury, which is a bit of an anomaly. So, so prior to tonight, has the form been as bad as the results suggest?
1: It's been strange because we... <sighs> Around sort of probably late November into January, we went on this about 13 match unbeaten run. Yeah, um, start of that, we were playing really well, getting some great results. And it towards the end, although we've been unbeaten, it was a bit deceptive because it petered out into a run of draws, really. At the tail end of the 13 games, it was lots of sort of scruffy draws, and it culminated in a, a wet Tuesday night in Kent. When Gillingham gave us a pretty rough ride, pressed us really high. Um, we had two raw, young fullbacks playing um, for a variety of reasons, and we effectively gave them three goals by trying to overplay from the back and, and literally presented them with three chances that they they snaffled up, and then they grabbed a fourth from a long throw, and that was the end of the long th- of the uh, the unbeaten run. And since then, really, we've been scratching around for results. We lost a fair few players for injury. Uh, We sold Perry Ng to Cardiff. I think it all kind of caught up. And by that point, we played the most games in the division where we played more than anyone else. And we've had a few weeks off now through postponements and lack of games. And maybe you're now seeing us turn the corner a little bit, a bit bit fresher. I think all those games caught up with with the squad, really, along with the injuries. Yeah,
0: absolutely, because... It is a young squad, but it's not the biggest of squads as far as I can see.
1: Lost a lot of players for injury. Donovan Daniels played his first game tonight. He's not played since November. He played one game this season. Callum Ainley, we lost. um, I think it was the cup game at Cheltenham, who I would argue is probably our most talented, um, naturally gifted youngster. He's a big loss. We lost Luke Offord to a torn hamstring and Ollie Finney, who grabbed about eight or nine goals from midfield, broke his leg in that one at Shrewsbury. So, those four combined with Perry leaving left us a bit short of bodies and I think a bit short of players to fall back on, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking through your lineup that you had tonight. I mean, obviously, you've got our old academy striker, Michael Mandron, uh, Chris Porter up front. Then you've got a, a defence here with Daniels, Beckles, Wood, Pickering, a midfield of Lowry, Wintle. Uh, Luke Murphy and Kirk with Richards in goal. It says here four four two, but Google can be wrong a lot of the time. Are we likely to see a, a similar lineup due to the squad uh, injuries and things that you've lost recently?
1: It's interesting because uh, Dave Martel has been religiously four three three. He has been consistently four three three, and tonight is the first real time we've seen um, a slight tweak to that. And tonight is probably one of the biggest crew teams. Um, stature wise, I've probably seen in a good while because Daniels is by trade really a centre half. Yeah, playing a so. kind of right back, so we got three six foot pluses there. You got two big lads up front, and to be fair, Luke Murphy, although he's not brilliant in the air, he's six foot plus as well. So we we had a, a fairly uh, big team for a crew side there. Whether he'll go four four two on Saturday or not, I don't know. Was was that something done deliberately to to combat uh, Accrington, they got some big players. They got a long throw. Um, maybe that was a deliberate tactical tweak, or maybe you just wanted to freshen it up a little bit. Porter scored. Um, so maybe you struggle to justify a switch back to 4 3 3 on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I think when you win, sometimes you stick with the team you, you play with, don't you? You know, injuries aside and, and whatnot, players that are unavailable. You touched on um, the strikers there. Now, you're right in what you're saying. I think when I looked at crew when you played us um, at the Stadium of Light, it's a lot of young lads that are maybe a little bit small on the stature side but you've got obviously a big lad there that used to be at our academy as well actually something I was speaking about in a to one of our former goalkeepers max Dryjek, who came through the academy with him and he said of all the players that he got through the academy Mandron was the player that he thought would you know really hit the heights um he's a big lad he actually tortured us if if I'm honest with you when he was at Gillingham last year and scored twice but I've noticed he's kind of done all with right, crew, but not hit the headlines. How's he, how's he been doing?
1: He's, um, at the moment, is, is a bit of a, he's mixing opinions because he, he missed a hatful of sitters on Saturday at Julie, uh, uh, Swindon and he's copped a bit of flack for that. But, in my opinion, he's been a revelation since we signed him. His link-up play, his play back to goal, his ability to bring other people into the game has, has given us... A different dimension. Chris Porter could do it well, but Mandrons an upgrade because he's he's more mobile. Um, and we've seen him kind of take the ball past the people and, and bring that into his link or play that Porter, bless him, for all his advancing years. He doesn't do that. Um, he started off quite well on the goal scoring front, um, but things have dried up a bit. I don't think he's scored since Boxing Day, but that's a bit of an unfair start because he has been out injured and we've not actually played as much as the other team since then. But he has started to miss fairly presentable opportunities. And I think that the opinion seems to be if he could score those goals, there's no way we'd have him. And I think you look at his track record and goal scoring, he's never really scored that many wherever he's been. He's got about nine for us this year. Um, but I think his goal scoring has been his his issue and his finishing and that's probably why we've got him, because I think the club feel they can improve him, and they can improve that, add goals to his game. And if you bring goals to that game that he's got, he's going to be worth a lot of cash. But the question is, can we can we bring those goals out of him that no other clubs managed to?
0: He was a funny one for us because he was in our academy um, when we win the Premier League, and he. He sort of almost seemed like he was on the cusp of getting somewhere in the team and then he'd have a two or three minute appearance and then he just kind of fretted into nowhere. But he would always be part of what ended up being a reserve side that made up a lot of our our League One team, like Honeyman and, and Gooch and stuff like that. And yet um, he kind of, I think he went to Eastleigh or somewhere like that. And then he, he ended up at Gillingham <clears throat> in the last game before fans were sort of banned from going to the stadium, which was sadly, almost a year ago, um, and scored twice against us and looked like, a, like the complete kind of league one centre forward, really. So it's, it doesn't surprise me hugely that he's gone to crew and done really, really well. Um, another person with obviously a fledgling uh, reputation, shall we say, has been Dave Artell. He seems to be carving out a real reputation for himself as a, a young manager that plays positive uh, possession-based football that pretty much suits Probably the identity of Crew since sort of I've watched football since he's took over. What would you say the positive changes are that he's sort
1: of implemented towards Crew? He changed what was, uh, in my opinion, a losing culture where the players were used to it and and almost accepted it. And he brought in a couple of experienced heads who were real pivotal signings. He brought in uh, Paul Green. Um, who had a massive impact, he brought in Nicky Hunt, the ex-Bolton fullback, and Eddie Nolan, who to a lesser extent I think also helped. And those three experienced heads really seemed to turn the attitude around and and made us move from serial losers to a team that didn't accept it. And and I think we're a bit more streetwise as well. Um, And that's rubbed off on on our youngsters. And the crew kids who come through are normally quite kind of polite and quite well mannered on the pitch and don't get into trouble but you look at Perry NG and, he, and he's, he's got a dreadful disciplinary record and he's got a bit of niggle about him Ollie Finney, um, he's unfortunately broken his leg he's got a bit of attitude and niggle about him and it just seems we, we've not bred these identikit footballers who, who are pushovers yeah. um, and I think he's, he's instilled that, that we were not going to lose never say die attitude that's been quite significant and he's also brought the football back. Let's um, say occasionally it's cost us. We overplayed at Gillingham and it cost us three goals. But he's, he's got us playing football the way we used to play. And we lost that a bit under Steve Davis. We've gone a bit direct. And he's, he's tied down our academy youngsters to longer contracts, which means we're relying on them rather than a flow of dubious loans from bigger clubs. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. We got loans in to, to support them. But the bulk of our squad is these young lads who are coming through, and he's had the nows to tie him down to long contracts, and they've agreed to it because they they bought into the project that he's uh, that he's brought on. He had a bit of a wobbly start, but we, the crew board, are quite patient, and he's uh, he's turned it around.
0: It's funny you should say about him bringing experience in because I think I've touched on it a few times in the podcast already about young lads that you kind of you almost expect to come through a crew because of the history of the club. Um, but then you look through the team and look into so your squad and so I suppose your starting lineup tonight. You've got experienced League One players in there. We've touched on Mandron, but Omar Beckles was a summer signing that you brought in, who obviously did really well with Shrewsby not too long ago. Obviously, Shoresby went off the boil a little bit, but he scored a night. How, how well is the sort of experience that you've brought in, such as Omar Beckles, aided the team's sort of 11th place, well, not 11th place finish, so your 11th place uh, position at the moment in the league?
1: Beckles has been a colossus. He is. I mean, I've worked lyrical about Mandron, which might hack a few Alex fans off, but, <laughs> uh, but Beckles, I don't think you would find anyone who would argue about his contribution. He has been immense. Um, he's, he's made some mistakes. Of course he has. He's a league one centre-half. Yeah, if he didn't yeah. have those mistakes in him, we would not have him playing in our team. Um, but he's been phenomenal. And, um, is quick, he's physically strong, um, he reads the game well. He's off-decent with the ball at his feet. People have given his distribution a bit of a kick-in and occasionally he'll misplace a pass, but he'll also ping a 30-yarder to Charlie Kirk's feet occasionally. Um, yeah. we're, we're dealing with a lad who's a League One defender who we've picked up um, out of contract. So I, I really don't think we could have, on our budget, we um, on an app for an out of contract player, we could not have signed any better. Um, and the key thing is, we got to get him signed up for next season as well, because he's only got a one year option.
0: Yeah, which seems to be it's almost par for course, isn't it? Sometimes at this level, like even for like I was going to say, like a club like ours, who you would think would occasionally give up three-year contracts because we now have a billionaire owner, but it seems that it's still one or two-year contracts that have yeah. been handed out. Uh, I think it's par for the course, and sometimes you do pick up the gems, and then if you do improve them, you worry about losing them. It, it very yeah. much does happen. You're absolutely right. Now, just to kind of flip everything I've just said about bringing the experience in, I'm going to talk about the younger players that brought in because – as I said, sort of off air, I had a bit of a soft spot for Crew because I ended up doing Football Manager with them about two years ago and they had these brilliant set of youngsters that came through. So I ended up keeping an eye on them and it turns out Football Manager is not too far from uh, being correct with it. Um, obviously when I was young, David, well, when I was a toddler, David Platt would have been the one that moved on um, from Crew Alexandria and was kind of like the poster boy of what Crew Alex could produce. Since then, you've gone on to produce Dean Ashton, David Vaughan, which many Sunderland fans will know. Players that have maybe not been you know, thoroughbred England internationals like David Platt, but they've gone on to have a career in a division above or a Premier League career or a championship career. Um, but for the first time in ages, it feels like you're producing a lot of players that are going to go on and do very well. Obviously, Perry Engie's gone to Cardiff. He's been picked up by Mick McCarthy. Harry Pickering's gone to Blackburn. I know he's come back on loan. But for fans who don't know too much about crew or don't know much about the players that you're producing at the moment, who are the players that have really impressed this
1: season? Uh, The the Charlie Kirk, you mentioned Pickering, but the the Kirk, Charlie Kirk, Pickering link up down the left has been um, phenomenal. They they link up superbly. And I think other teams are prepped for it and they know it's coming. But sometimes there's a difference between knowing it's coming and being able to stop it. So those two have have linked up really well. Um, and Kirk was was brought down tonight, um, That got the Accrington players sent off. So he's continued his excellent form. Um, we've got Tommy Lowry, who's been out, injured for a little bit, but he came back in tonight and did a great job setting up one of the goals. Um, he's probably one who's overlooked a little bit, to be honest, because he's been in and out of the team this season. But he really, really makes us tick and gives us something... Um, a bit different in that midfield. So he's another significant player. Uh, Owen Dale has really found his feet this year. He was, he was a sub tonight, but he's gone from last season being a bit of a bit part player to being a kind of key bait of our, of our front three. Um, very competitive, very quick, very tricky, and has even managed to add some goals to his game this season. Occasionally makes the wrong decision. Occasionally his end product isn't quite there, but he's got lots of promise And what's interesting is in terms of his development, if you compare it to Charlie Kirk's development, he's had uh, much less game time, but arguably has shown far more over a far shorter period than Kirk did. It took Charlie Kirk a fair few seasons to really find his feet. Dale's done it in arguably a second season and he stepped up to a high tier. So I think he's a real potential one for the future Uh, finally one you won't see Saturday because he's torn his hamstring but Luke Offord who's a young centre-half came in last year made his debut must have been about January and is so assured and calm and reads the game well and he and Beckles had a fantastic partnership at centre-half and he's been a real miss since he uh, since he tore that hamstring Um, so we're hoping he gets back before the end of the season
0: we're talking about those players you mentioned there, but also Ryan Wintle is another player I've noticed. Um, since the start of the season done really well. How? What's your opinion on, on Wintle? Because he looks good from what I've seen.
1: He, he struggled a bit at the start of the season. Um, he, he, he didn't quite he struggled to find the pace. I think of this division, mm-hmm. and he'd probably been used to to dominating games in League Two, but eventually he found his feet. Um, and his best form. I think coincided with our best form um, around that unbeaten spell. And then he began to lose his way a little bit, coincidentally, around the time that unbeaten run began to drift into some draws. The cynics might say he's out of contract in the summer. He's clearly not going to sign a new contract. Has he got half an a move to a championship club? I couldn't, I couldn't possibly agree with that, but certainly that's been the cynical comments suggested that you know, he's, he's not looked that interested to some and he's lost his way a little bit. But on his day, he is the player who has made us tick over the last couple of seasons. He keeps possession ticking over, can drive forward, can get a goal and has really been the bedrock of our recent success. But I think we, we've got to look forward now because... I don't think he's going to be here next year is is the honest truth.
0: You know, when it comes to sort of being a crew fan, and I get this with a a few clubs, but I think crew is probably one of the the ones that it applies to most. You kind of have like a lot of young players coming through. Naturally with young players coming through, you get that level of inconsistency because they're learning the game. It's almost like when you get, like we've got uh, Jake Walkins on loan from Southampton at the moment. I think because he came in from Southampton, a good academy, we expected him to be great from the off, and he hasn't been. And you kind of have to almost understand, like we did with Denver Hume last year. Occasionally, players just don't play well every single game when they're young. Now, you kind of deal with that with Crew. You make these players get to a certain uh, level of performance, twenty, twenty-one, and then Blackburn come in, and then Carv come in, and they get the player that you've kind of dealt with that. Uh, occasional inconsistency with, and they're getting the full benefit of what you've done. Does it get frustrating, or in the nicest possible way, because of crew being predominantly League One, League Two, and Championship? When I was sort of younger in the nineties, do you kind of almost accept that that's what's going to happen? That's kind of the payoff that you got to have.
1: I think everyone, everyone knows that's that's the way the club works, and we need to sell those players to survive. And you know that you've got to suffer that the trials and tribulations of, say, Charlie Kirk's development. And there's those frustrations, those games when he's not very good. And then at the back of your mind, you know when they hit it and when they're good, you've got to really enjoy that because they're not going to be here for long. So Harry Pickering, for example, back end of that season, this season, one of the best left-backs in the division. And you just know you've got to enjoy him now because he's going to go. You know, he's had his ups and downs in his development and you can look at him and go, okay. the time is right. Pickering's gonna move on. And we just look and go, who's gonna replace him? And we've got a young full back, left back, who's very raw, was given a bit of a rough ride at Gillingham, but I'll probably do him the power of good and, and he eventually will will step in and place, replace Pickering. And that's the way it works. I think the back of your mind is always it is that frustration that you have the the years that they're not consistent and the games when they're frustrating and the time that they really, really find their feet is inevitably a bit more fleeting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, that that was the thing in a way. Like, because I've been watching, like, say, a few plays just because of a computer game, which sounds ridiculous. But obviously, when you have a connection, you go out wonder what they're like in real life. And Pickering was the one that I'd watching. in his delivery into the boxes, uh, something that concerned me in the first game. His delivery in the boxes, something that's concerned me on the game on, um, on Saturday. He reminds me in a way of, and maybe not a popular, maybe not a popular person to compare him to, but Joe Jacobson at uh, Wickham, who has this wicked left boot and seems to score a mountain of goals from left back. Pickering's quite similar in that. But these players that you're bringing through, they're not just going to higher level like Portsmouth League One clubs or something like that. They're going straight into good, at least mid-table Championship side. And when you look at Cardiff, um, I think Mick McCarthy knows a player, and, and obviously he picked him up straight away in. In the January, and I was reading a lot about my, a couple of journalists um, who cover Cardiff have been raving about him as well. Almost in a way, all these players aren't just, like I say, going to your Portsmouth; They're going up towards the championship straight away. Do you know as a crew fan, you said before, like you said, well, maybe it's time when you look at a certain player, do you kind of almost get used to a crew that you, you can almost pinpoint when their progression is ready to go into the championship or the premiership?
1: I think you get you, you look at them and we, we all knew that, that Pickering's ready to move on. Perry NG, to be fair, didn't really have the best season. We, we thought actually he was a bit slack, uh, he was a bit casual. And again, cynically, a few people were suggesting his mind's on a move. Mm-hmm. He, he spent six games suspended for a spitting incident at Cheltenham. We didn't, we didn't lose one of them. But I think now he's not there you do appreciate what he brought to the team. and I think he was finding his feet at this level and clearly he would have found his feet at this level, let's be honest. He's, he's gone into a championship team and he's flying and I think now he's gone, we, we do recognise how good he was. But yeah, I think you, you get to that moment, whichever division we've been in, going back further um, to when we were in the championship, we had Dean Ashton, it yeah. was clear. you know, he, he was carrying the club. It was him. And he had to go, really, because the time was right for him to go and prove himself at a higher level. And you do you get that feeling and, and good luck to him because that's what we're about. You know, we'll sell them. The money he brings in keeps the club afloat. And normally we've got someone ready to step up, if not immediately, they'll come in two, or three years and hopefully they'll fill their boots.
0: Which probably brings me on to the next really short, but could potentially produce a really long answer. Um, as a crew fan, then, this season and as a whole, what is success?
1: It's a strange one because I think at the start it was trepidation. Can, can the youngsters step up? We had a really, really tough run of fixtures. We lost at home to Charlton. We lost at Hull. Um, but it was around that point you began to think actually, we're, we're having an awful lot of ball. We're, we're dominating possession, but we're not scoring. And then something seemed to click October, November, went on this fantastic run and there was genuine talk of the playoffs. And we were looking up and and Dave Artel was buying into it. And I think with the recent dip of form and the injuries and and the loss of Perry, I think that's petered out a little bit. And maybe tonight's win kind of reignites that a little bit. But I think the realist in me now says, I think the playoffs are gone. We've played more games than a lot of teams. Um, We've got to be looking to finish in a decent position. Once we get to 50 points, arguably, Harry Pickering, who we've got back on loan from Blackburn, do we say, look, Harry, thanks, but actually we're safe. We've got Rio Adebisi who needs some games and experience. We need to give him a run of games. If Wintel's not going to sign, do we say, all right, Ryan, step aside. Let's give some of the other young lads some experience. So I think realistically now, upper mid-table, Would be success this season. Bed in some players for next year because I do think there'll be a bit of a turnaround in the summer. Winslow will go. We know that Harry Pickering is going to go. Charlie Kirk might move on. So I think the second half of the season could be about bringing in new youngsters and, and getting them experienced at League One level.
0: Totally flipping that 100%, looking at obviously your opponents, my team, on Saturday. Things, like I say, seem really, really rosy in Sunderland's Garden at the moment, as it sometimes can be, but we're only ever one result away from complete disaster. But um, we've won three. We've got a new owner. We're banging form, probably the best form we've been in all season. It feels like, if I'm honest, it's probably the worst time for any side to face us at the moment. So from the outside looking in, which players are you concerned about from our side on Saturday's game? Where do you think we can damage you?
1: Um, I remember the first game, Gooch was an influence and he was, he was impressive and he gave us some issues down the wings. Um, McGeady, um, to my mind, McGeady's too good for this level. In my oh, mind. too good.
0: It's he's a hard point.
1: Of yeah, he's way above this level. Um, and, and I look at the kind of players who normally cause us problems. Charlie White is the typical sort of centre-forward who will normally sniff out a goal against us. And I noticed that Max Power played tonight, who used to regularly score against us for Tranmere. So history will dictate that he might have a say as well. But stripping aside history and looking at the names, I think those, those two wide players in particular stand out for me. As, um, I'm not sure who's going to play right back for us because, uh, say, Donovan Daniels played there tonight. It could be Travis Johnson, who's, who's acquitted himself well since he came in to replace Perry. But he's going to have his work cut out playing against um, those wide players.
0: Yeah, I mean, McGeady's... Yeah, McGeady's absolutely on fire at the moment. I'd love to say he's he's not as good as he looks on paper, but I think he's got nine or ten assists in about two months. Uh, He's only started playing for us again since December. So, yeah, I'm pleased you said that, definitely. Um, Now, I touched on it a a little bit before. Obviously, I'm 34 now. um, So I remember Crew being in the Championship with us um, when we had the likes of Quinn, Phillips, Summerby, Lee Clark, Alex Ray, um, it's fair to say, certainly in my lifetime, that was probably just before our real glory days in the Premiership, but still one of the best seasons I've ever seen for something. We that was Quinn and Phillips in the infancy, shall we say. Now, you obviously have had a slightly different pathway to ourselves. We went on and had a few years in the Premiership, came down, went back up, did ten years there. Crew haven't been there as yet. But you've seen Sunderland during their glory days, but now you see Sunderland effectively falling through the leagues and landing up exactly where, where you've been for a little while. From the outside looking in, and obviously there's a Netflix TV show that's helped a lot of people with this, but um, what have you made of Sunderland's kind of fall from grace
1: almost? Ben. I have to be honest, I have never watched the Netflix programme, so I'm speaking of this from a position of great, of great ignorance.
0: I wouldn't recommend Sunderland until I die. Many people would, but I wouldn't, because there's a <laughs> Sunderland fan, it's an awful watch. <laughs> I,
1: I've, um, I used to visit the Stadium Light quite a few times when we were in the Championship, and just to see um, a club with an infrastructure and, and a stadium and a fan base of that size slip through the divisions into league one has just has staggered me to be honest um you know it it amazed me that that we are visiting a ground and a fan base like that in the championship let alone dropping into league one so i've I've been a bit staggered at at how it's come to this and i'm sure if i had to sit and watch the uh, the netflix series i'd get the full narrative behind it but um i'm just amazed that the can I say would it be mismanagement that's oh, led Sunderland dip, dipping into this this division? Where you know there's a, there's a few big teams, but in my mind, although Ipswich have, have won European competitions, I think on paper, to me, in terms of fan base and stature, Sunderland will be the biggest club in this division. Um, but I'm just amazed they're playing at this level, to be honest.
0: From a Sunderland perspective, like I say, things feel rosy. Things do feel good. Um, and we do feel like we're, we're banging form. but And I know there's not such a thing as a home and away game, but what has your home form been like this season? Do you kind of expect you'll come at us or do you think you might sit back a little bit and, and try and get us on the break?
1: Home, home form has been our strength, really. Home form's really, really been our strength. And I'll, I don't think I've ever really seen a game, maybe a couple of away games. But at home, normally we'll, we'll try and play on the, the front foot. And the teams that have had the most success against us have been the teams that have pushed up and pressured and not allowed us to dictate the play um, from the back. Um, I say Gillingham did a great job of it. And it was really interesting that Ipswich, when we played at Portman Road, they didn't bother pressing us. And we absolutely dominated, controlled the game, obviously lost one nil. But then when we played them at home, there was a real tactical switch and Lambert for all of his critics had obviously got wise and they really pushed up and pressured us and we struggled to get going. So um, I think we'll try and play in the front foot, but I would imagine that, um, that Sunderland will probably try and press, play heart pressure up high and try and cut out us playing out from the back all the thought.
0: Um, before we do go, uh, as always, I don't think I've got any result right this season, um, but I will make my prediction. I'm going to say... I think 2-1 something, but, but what would your prediction be, Steve? Do
1: you know what? Before, before tonight, I was fairly convinced it was going to be 0-0 because I, I, I believe you, you're quite tight away from home defensively. Um, yeah. And we, and I could see us kind of battening down the hatches and, and scraping our scoreless draw. But because we've got a clean sheet tonight, there's absolutely no way we will keep another one at the weekend because they, they come on a kind of three monthly basis. So I'm not going to see one for a while. Um, so I think I'm going to go um, crew one, Sunderland two.
0: Same. Exactly same. The yeah. same. Don't think it's mm-hmm. been the first time. I've, I think it's the first time I've had that actually, but I've never been right. So we'll probably both be wrong. Um, <laughs> I'll be kicking myself if it's nil-nil. She's <laughs> got a tenner on both. Um, <laughs> before, obviously uh, I do let you go. Um, where can we find your podcast? Where can we find the Real Women um, on Twitter and things like that? Where
1: can we listen? We are on Twitter um, at the Railway Men. I'm just double checking here what the handle, <laughs> handle is. I'm on the same like that. Railway Men the uh, and then you can find us on Spotify and all the usual kind of platforms for um, for podcasts. We only started in uh, was it June last year, I think. So it's still in its infancy, but we've done lots of uh, ex-player interviews this year, and it's gone. It's gone really well. I've to enjoying it.
0: Yeah, that's been going well. It's something I knew before, sort of beforehand, so I'm, I'm delighted that you've managed to join us today, Steve. But as always, I'm getting a little bit better at doing this and pretending that I care. If you want to subscribe to What the Fork podcast, you certainly can. You just press subscribe on something or whatever. If you don't want to, I don't care. It's fine. Um, But thanks for joining me, Steve. I appreciate it as always. Thank you.
1: That's all. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Spot on.